everyone, and welcome to Dance It Out, a Grey's Anatomy podcast. We're your hosts, Jasmine Petty and Giuseppe Corallo. Thank you to everyone for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about the Grey's Anatomy mid-season premiere entitled Helplessly Hoping. So there will be spoilers for Grey's Anatomy and its companion episode on Station 19, um, as well as a spoiler for a cast member return. Um, So you've been forewarned. So before we jump into that, uh, Giuseppe, how are you? Well, I'm fine. I mean, it's a really strange time in my life. I feel overwhelmed by work and other stuff. Mm-hmm. But I have to say that I'm pretty good. And I was happy to have Grey's Anatomy back this week. What about you? How are you, Jasmine? Uh, I'm good. Same. I was happy to have Grey's Anatomy back. Uh, it is a very strange time. Um, things are opening up a little bit more here. I was able to get my hair cut this week. Um, and it, it's my birthday tomorrow. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make you uh, ha- happy birthday wishes because, you know, here in Italy, they say it, it brings bad luck to do. Oh. The, yeah, but I'm going to write to you tomorrow. So. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so um, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm as good as I can be. Yeah, so let's, let's dive. Let's dive right into this episode. Um, yeah. What about you think us reading us your usual recap? Yes, absolutely. All right, here we go. Um, all right, can you time me? Yes, 30 seconds. Okay, count me down. Three, two, one, go. Okay, on a tense episode of Grace Anatomy that picks up where Station 19 left off, Andrew DeLuca dies after being stabbed by the human trafficker Opal that he and Karina were tracking down. Maggie and Winston reconnect, Amelia and Maggie have a hard conversation with Zola, and Joe convinces Hayes to bend the rules for Val and her baby Luna. Oh, 26 seconds, that's uh-huh. great. Yeah. What an episode, Jasmine. What an episode. Yes. So oh. <laughs> it, was, it was a big episode. It was a big mid-season premiere. I have to say that I'm actually torn about it, you know, mm-hmm. because I, I, I mean, as you know, and people who listen to us know as well, I was never a big fan of Andrew DeLuca. I thought his character was black and his relationship with Mary was a bad storyline. So I didn't like him and I, I'm not going to miss him. And I hoped for a long time for his exit. And I, I mean, I'm, you're going to tell me how you feel, how you felt about his character as well. Mm-hmm. But at death, I don't know, he seemed a bit too much. And whether we liked him or not, he was Meredith's first big love posterity. I yeah. mean... Their love n- never rang true to me, but that is how they were written in the beginning. I'm a big, a big fan of her and Ace. I mm. really am. And Ace was back this episode. I mean, he was back also, in, you know, in the, in the mid-season, in the winter finale. But anyway, he was back and I'm, I was very happy to see him. And again, maybe a death for a character like the Luca was, was too much. And also... What I didn't find right is that he, his final storyline, uh, I'm talking about the look, of course, mm-hmm. played out in the Station 19 episode. Yeah. So he got stopped in the Station 19 episode. I mean, whether we liked him or not, he was a big character on the show. And for him to get that, that kind of storyline in, in a show that many people won't see, mm. I think that was not fair to the character to the actor, and especially to the fans of the show. What do you think about it, Jasmine? 
Yeah, I, I agree with a bunch of what you said. Um, I did think it was a little bit of a cop-out and my friend Amy and I, we were watching, we were surprised that we were expecting them to do something like at the beginning of the episode, say, previously on Grey's Anatomy or previously on Station 19 to give us some context. Yeah. Um, and I was surprised I didn't do that because not everybody's going to see the Station 19 episode. And, you know, to give another example, up until recently, um, you couldn't access episodes of private practice here. And so I watched all the earlier seasons of Grey's Anatomy, but the times where they crossed over private practice, I couldn't see the, the other part because you couldn't access it here. And so for those episodes, you know, you lost a little bit of the story, but you still got the gist of it. Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, with some of the, with this storyline and some other Station 19 ones, it's like, well, sometimes, you know, you get the gist of it, it's fine. But other ones, you miss a big chunk. And with stuff with streaming going in and out, especially in a country like Canada, where sometimes we have access, sometimes we don't, um, for people to just be, you know, following along with the show, like we're watching live, so we kind of know the context. But to people be following along years later, you know, binge watching years later, and not have access to Station 19, I feel like they'd be missing a big chunk because you'd leap from, especially if you binge watch it, you'd leap from him and Karina, you know, deciding to go after this woman to him in the back of an ambulance and he's been stabbed or fire truck or whatever. Um, so there's a big gap there. So I, I was surprised they didn't, um, I was surprised they didn't give us a bit more context there. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I mean, I was, I was happy that I was, I was right in the sense that, you know, last summer, I wrote a, a blog post and I'll put a link in the description um, about, uh, you know, they we, we found out last summer that it was rumored that a character death was supposed to come in the mid in this, sorry, in the season finale of season 16. And people were speculating who that was supposed to be. Was it going to be canceled permanently? Was it going to be moved to the beginning or middle or end of season 17? And I speculated that Luca was probably the top contender because I felt like they'd kind of gone as far as they could with his character. Um, there wasn't a whole lot left for him to do. And the runners up for me were Jackson and Tom because the actor who plays Jackson had been working on other projects, depending how they went with the Tom, Teddy, Owen storyline, that could be interesting. Um, and so, you know, being right is a good feeling. So I was like, oh, like I thought they might do this and they did. Well, can I say something actually? I mean, I, I'm not sure if she's lying or not, but Krista Vernoff, the writer, uh, the showrunner of the show, she released this interview to Hollywood Reporter and basically she said that she didn't plan for this death to happen in this scrapped season finale. And that this idea um, came to her while she was planning for season 17. So actually another death was supposed to happen in the season finale. Again, I don't know if she's lying, but that's what she I said. I feel like she's lying there because come on, who would, like I can't see who the other character could have been at this point. I, I don't know. You might be right. I don't know. I'm, I mean, that's what she said, but you might be yeah, right. She says a lot of things. I'm not calling this woman a liar. I'm just saying that she often misleads. Everybody on the show does in order to keep the surprise value. So um, yeah. I, I, that to me, that's just what that reads like. Because if you look at the statements she and other people gave last summer and you compare that to what we've got now, I mean, they were obviously just covering for the fact that they couldn't say anything. So that's how that reads to me. But what do you think about his death? Do, do you think it was too much? Do, or, I mean, do you think it was necessary that this was like the only way for him to, to be written out? I don't think it was the only way. You know, I knew it was one of the, I definitely thought killing off was one of the options. I also thought that having him take a job somewhere else 
for example, with that uh, deaf doctor, Dr. Riley in California could have been another option. Oh yeah, right. That could have been great as well, you know? Yeah, um, or him kind of, I was also, I was kind of expecting when they brought him back at the beginning of the season for him to do an apology to her and to apologize to all the people he had wronged, Meredith, Joe, Bailey, you know, I was expecting an apology to her. I was expecting some kind of closure between him and Meredith kind of, you know, I appreciate, um, you know, I appreciate the time we spent together. Thank you for helping to save my life. Feelings mutual, you know, some sort of closure there. And even though I was never a fan of the character, I was kind of expecting that. And so I saw a few different options. I saw that and then him dying or that and him, you know, deciding to take a job somewhere else or, um, and this is pre-COVID, but I thought there was a potential storyline there for if, okay, at the end of last season, we see Hayes ask Meredith, Meredith out. She says yes, but asks for a rain check. Then she sees Deluca on the floor, helps him, you know, takes him back to his, drives him home. Following that, there's an intervention. He decides to go get treatment. I think if COVID hadn't happened, there could have been a potential storyline there where, you know, Meredith and Hayes start dating. DeLuca's off getting treatment. He comes back, apologizes. Um, you know, they have some sort of closure there and he realizes that Meredith's moving on with her life. So, you know, and especially because both her and Hayes have kids. Like I thought there was a potential storyline there for him realizing, okay, if I stand in her way, I'm not just breaking apart a couple, I'm breaking apart a family who've already lost parents. And that being his impetus for taking the job in California or taking a job somewhere else. And I think if COVID hadn't happened, that's definitely a route they could have gone. But I think COVID really changed that and then it reduced the storylines they could do coming off of last season because they only had so much footage that they'd already shot. Uh, I mean, was it necessary? No. Was it an option that I thought they might do? Yes. I don't think it was too much. Um, I thought it was fine. I mean, I know a lot of people are really upset and a friend texted me how they were like, they were like sobbing. Um, so <laughs> no, no, I was, I was actually laughing. I mean, the Grey's Anatomy <laughs> is known for making us sob. I mean, I didn't like the character, but at the end, when he reunited with his mother, I was I was sobbing as well after me. I mean, I teared up a little bit. I mean, I wasn't sobbing, but I was I was never attached to the character, so I think that's why. I think for me, because they faked us out, like not just in this episode, but prior, like in season uh, sixteen, there are multiple points in which they talk about the other characters talk about how he shouldn't be at work, how you know him being fired, him going off and getting treatments. They've put him in precarious situations before where it looks like he might not make it. And then they've always, he's always returned and come back. And so I'd kind of hit a point where I'm like, I feel like it's possible, but they faked me out so many times I'd kind of given up hope. And I felt like they were baiting us all the time, which honestly annoyed me because I'm like, either do it or don't do it, but stop talking about it. But then they actually did it. And because they faked us out within this episode, I was like, is he dead? No, he's fine. Is he? No, wait, no, 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 he's not fine. Oh, is he actually dead? I had a lot of those moments. So for me, it was fine. I thought it was well done. It was a bit more of a long drawn out thing that I was expecting. I was expecting kind of a sudden death, like, you know, something like, you know, Luke is on his way out of work or on his way to the airport or something. And, you know, he's in a car accident or he sees Oprah crashes her car into theirs or something more dramatic. Yeah. Or like, you know, he's walking in and there's like construction and something falls on him. Like I was expecting some sort of like, and then he died. Um, whereas this was more of a, you know, he's critical condition. We took him for surgery. Oh no, he's okay. Oh no, he's, you know, something's gone wrong. We have to take him back in. Although I will say that it's probably more of a realistic death to what happens in the real world. Yeah. And also I have to, I have to say it's more 
you know, th this is what Grace does most of the time. You know, when a patient looks uh, great, then suddenly his, his condition worsens and, and, and the patient dies. This has happened before. Like in the middle, at the middle of the episode, when DeLuca recovered, I was like, oh my God, there are still 20 minutes left. He's going to die. Might he <laughs> die? Is it that possible? Because, you know, it seems, it, it seems strange for him to be okay uh, at the 20 minute mark. Yeah. This is how Grey's Anatomy operates. Mm -hmm. So that made me suspicious. So I, in a way I was expecting his death, but at the same time I was like, mm, no, they're not gonna kill him. As you said, they chickened out before. So yeah. they're not gonna do it. And he said this time they, they did it. I'm, I'm worried about what this means for, for Meredith and what this means for her storyline, because I think this could be the end of Meredith dating and finding love, which I think it's very important for the show. I really want Meredith to find love again, because I, I need to show the show to end on a hopeful, on an hopeful note. I want the message to be that even though the worst thing happens to you, even though you lose, even when you, if you lose the, the, the love of your life, you might, I mean, you might find love again and it's never going to be the same, of course. It's, it's never going to replace what you had, but it's possible. And I'm afraid this storyline might really have some dramatic consequences for, for Meredith. Aren't you worried about it? Not really. I mean, I get what you're saying. To me, a lot's riding on the next episode. And the reason I say that is, you know, Amy and I were watching it and, you know, I'm still obviously I'm rooting for Meredith and Hayes in a strange way. You know, one of the possibilities that this um, Delicious Death really opens up is it, you know, it's kind of, you know, it opens the door for Meredith and Hayes to kind of, you know, when she's recovered to move forward together. And that, you know, they talked last summer, you know, cast members and crew members and writers and executive producers were interviewed last summer. And the idea of a, a love triangle between DeLuca, Hayes, and Meredith was brought up. And it looks like that's something that they consider doing. Obviously that got interrupted by, by COVID and other factors. But I remember reading that and thinking, you know, God, I hope not because we already saw him in a love triangle with Link and I never liked that storyline. So I wasn't excited by the idea of that happening again. Um, but now they decided to write him off and kill him off, um, which means there, you know, there is no love triangle you know, for Meredith this season. And I mean, she's in a coma, so there isn't one anyway, but, um, uh -huh. you know, her only real love interest, at least that they've established is Hayes. And so it kind of, you know, the one of the fallouts for that is it kind of clears the way. And obviously those storylines have been changed because of COVID, because of what they were and were not able to film. Um, but I'm, I'm not concerned in the sense about, you know, her never finding love again, but I, I do get what you're saying. And then when Amy and I were watching it, you know, after we were talking, and, you know, up until last week, you know, she was right there with me about Meredith and Hayes. After watching this episode, she goes, you know, like, I get what you're saying, but like, you know, for her, it's that the Meredith and Hayes storyline is kind of losing momentum. Yeah, yeah, because, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I love the idea of Meredith and Hayes, but it's like right now, if I think about Meredith waking up, I cannot see her moving on with, with Ace like nothing has happened. De Luca... Uh, she, he was the first person she ever she told I love you after Derek died it, even though we didn't like it this happened see my uh, my theory about that is though like I get what you're saying I think it all depends about how the timeline goes I agree that in the current timeline like at this point only about you know we've gone from April to May so that's a period of about two months so the weeks you know in there so yeah not a lot of time has passed and I agree I mean one thing Amy and I were talking about was that you know 
Meredith isn't just sick with COVID. She's had to be put on a ventilator. She's already sustained significant damage to her heart and lungs, prior um, trauma she's been through. So when she does recover and they are able to discharge her, she's gonna need to quarantine a hotel for two weeks. She might possibly need physical therapy. She's gonna need a bunch of recovery time. That could take weeks, months. She's gonna to wanna to spend time with her children. Um, she's gonna need a lot of help around the house. Um, it's not going to be a quick recovery process. That being said, a time jump would easily fix that. You know, they could have her recover, show part of that process, and then do a time jump either from this season to next season, if there is another season, or, you know, at some point towards the end of this season, you know, she recovers and they do a bit of a time jump. I agree it would be a bit jarring, even if they did a time jump to suddenly go from she's sick to, and now she's moving on with Hayes and they're being one big family. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's why I hope there's another season because I think it would allow them um, enough time to show her recovery process and show her moving forward with her life without it feeling weird and forced. So that yeah. those are kind of my thoughts on that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it all depends on how much longer the show is going to last. Mm -hmm. If we're going to get a season 18, which I hope we do, I think we're going to see Ace and Meredith. The thing is that, you know, I mean, can we say now the, the news that was just released the other day can do you want to say what, what oh news? you mean about the character that's coming back yes uh yes yeah, so it has now been revealed um like publicly like on the Grey's Anatomy accounts and everything that Sarah Drew who plays uh April Kepner uh will be returning for a cameo this season yeah and that is big news because you know when she was written on from the show it was a shocking moment the, the thing that I the other thing that I want to say about I, I, I mean at the beginning of the podcast I said that I was torn about this episode not don't just because the Luca died but also because I feel and this is something that I've been feeling a lot this season like something is off um like the pacing is a little bit off the mm. dialogue is a little bit off for example, when we have the three, uh, Jackson and, and Link and Winston, having that scene in the backyard and talking, mm -hmm. and communicating, I think the writing is not brilliant as it used to be. See, I really like, like that scene. I'm not saying that it's a bad scene. I, I, really, I think it's a good scene, but it's not, it's not powerful, that scene. I mean, at least to me, of it's course. It's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be like humor. No, no, I, do, I don't. Yeah, humor, I wanted to say, not powerful. I, I mean, if I think about the scenes between Mark and Derek and, and Owen, they were funny and fun. And here, I, I didn't feel the funny or fun. It's like, it's like Link is the perfect guy for Amelia and Winston is the perfect guy for Maggie. But it's like they're a little bit bland. You know what I mean? It's like they're too perfect. Like they're being written to be perfect for Amelia and Maggie. And I know that Owen was wrong for Amelia. And I know that Jackson was not right for Maggie. And But they made for interesting storylines. Mm -hmm. Right now, I think like nothing is happening. For example, between Amelia and Link, they, they don't do anything. Or Winston and Maggie, their conversation, uh, they they don't seem they don't seem meaningful. It's like okay, they're cute, and I really hope that they're they're gonna be happy that they're endgame because I like the two of them. But I like them like if they were my friends. But from a story point of view, it's like they're they're a little bit boring. 
at least that's how I feel. And that's how I've been feeling this season. Like something is off, like something is wrong with the pacing and the dialogue. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like the characters are kind of stuck in neutral, but I think that's just because of the COVID restrictions. Like I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I don't feel that way about the characters. I think they're interesting and their dialogue is funny. And I mean, I'd rather see these characters in a relationship that actually makes sense rather than a drama-filled one that I hate that makes no sense. You know, it's going to end badly. No, um, no, I do too. I do too, of course. Maybe I express myself, but I do too. Um, one thing I really did like was the scene with uh, Zola and Amelia and Maggie, where they had to sit her down and explain to her what was going on with her mom. Oh my God, what a beautiful scene. Yeah, and uh, the actress who plays Zola, I think, has really come into her own as, like, as an actor, and that's really cool to see. More than any other child actor, she's probably had the most screen time. And I think it's because you can tell that the kid really loves acting and yeah. really wants to be there. I get the distinct impression with some of the other kids, especially the one that plays the, the twins that play Bailey, that they're having to like bribe them with cookies or something. <laughs> you're, right. you're, you're absolutely right. Because like that kid doesn't talk for years. Yeah. And then he suddenly starts talking and I Googled it and it turns out it's twins. The one twin doesn't want to talk, but the other twin who wants to talk isn't available. They had to go with the other kid. And Oh, so this is a true story? Oh yeah, it's a true story. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I so, thought you were making it up. It's true. <laughs> and so a lot of the reasons where like you don't see Ellis or Bailey for several seasons or you don't, the kids don't talk much is because they couldn't, you know, the kids said they wanted to do it and, you know, they aced the audition or whatever, or their parents brought them in and they got them in front of the camera and they got camera shy and they didn't want to talk. Oh, God. Or they couldn't say the line right or whatever. And so they just went with, okay, this kid just isn't going to say anything. We're like, okay, like Zola, but the kid who plays Zola was on it. So like, okay, we're going to focus on you and give you all the dialogue um, <laughs> because you actually want to be here. That's, that's a funny story. Yeah. And so that's now the kids have gotten a little bit older. You hear them talking more. You see more interactions. I think they're understanding the concept of what acting is more. Um, and to be fair, the, the actress who played Sophia was also pretty good. And, and she got a decent amount of uh, dialogue as well. Oh, yeah. Especially in, the, in, yeah, in season 14. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. she was a good actor. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, both her and Zola obviously are very interested in the craft of acting versus I think the other kids were just someone's kid that got cast to play this part that like doesn't understand why they're there. Who are these people? <laughs> why am I having to say stuff? Um, so I thought that scene was really well done and that like Maggie, Amelia, Zola, all the acting was great. Um, you know, I like the scene prior where Amelia and Maggie um are talking about how to tell the kids and Amelia's like I need to talk to um I need to talk to Maggie about this um to have the strength to do it and they sat Zola down and her line where she says let's not tell Bailey and Ellis until we have to they're too young they won't really understand oh my um, God. yeah that broke my heart for two reasons yeah. one it was obviously a ploy so they didn't have to show the other kids on screen for COVID safety reasons yeah and two, it was really well done in that it shows that Zola is only a few years older than her siblings, but she's old enough to understand what death means and what that means for their family, what losing Meredith will actually mean. And she's old enough to remember Derek dying, Christina and Alex leaving, um, aunts and uncles coming down, her mom dating different people, the impact that's had on her life. 
And oh my God, you're making me so sad for Zola, right? She thought, so, well, this is losses as well. Yes, and so she, and like, you know, in a lesser way, she also probably remembers how upset her parents were after Lexi died because that she was one when that happened. So in the years following, Mark and Lexi's death would have affected her parents. Um, so in a strange way, she's never actually seen her parents totally happy and that they were always grieving something. And so she understands what that means. And so she wants to protect her siblings from the pain that she feels, knowing they won't be able to understand yet and maybe never understand. And so the fact that she takes one for the team there and she goes, I'm making the call here because I know you guys are struggling, like to Amelia and Maggie, let's not tell them until we have to. That, oh my God, great acting. That broke my heart. Yeah, um, yeah mine too. That was really well done in my opinion. You know, when I started crying, when, when she said, uh, but dad never came out from the, yes, the ventilator. Yes. That was heartbreaking for me. It was like, oh my God, that, 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 that was too much. And I'm so sorry for Zola. And this is another reason why Meredith cannot die because Zola yeah. and brother and, and their sister cannot be orphans. Those kids have been through so, so much. They yeah. <laughs> deserve to have a mother. So yeah i i think that was brilliant as you said brilliant acting as well and i loved loved that scene between amelia and and maggie and again it showed how much of a great bond these two sisters have and how amelia was vulnerable telling her how she felt when her father died mm -hmm. how there was no room for not for not for answer but there was no room for questions as well mm -hmm. and and I loved how they decided at the end to talk to Zola because, because as Maggie said, Meredith told the kids about Derek. Meredith is the kind of person who faces reality, who faces yes. thing, things. And we have to be strong enough and strong as her and tell her and tell Zola what's going on. So I thought that was that was great. Yeah, it was it was a sad it, moment. It was yeah, it was it was a sad moment, but I think it was it was well done. And yeah. um yeah, I thought, yeah. I thought it was well done. Um, uh, some other things um, that did talk about more positive things, some other things I really liked. Um, the fact that Bailey slept through the whole thing, I thought that was hilarious. Oh my God. Yes, 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 he was. And he was, he was so healthy to see her sleep, you know? <laughs> when everybody was, uh, especially Richard, uh, everybody was worried about uh, waking her up. And I was like, yeah, do not disturb Bailey. She needs a rest. She yes. needs to sleep. She's sleep deprived right now. So she mm -hmm. needs her sleep. Yeah, that was, that was cute. And, yeah. and poor Bailey, when she, when she woke up, she suddenly had to face another, another hard reality, another yes. hard thing that just hit the hospital and the team. So yeah yeah that was funny yeah I thought that was funny and something else I really liked is that I thought uh Levi Schmidt really shone in this episode I thought I I, I liked his storyline in that I liked that you know he they had that moment with Ben where he realizes that like he treated Opal the human trafficker and he didn't he didn't know who she was and he feels responsible, but instead of, you know, kind of bumbling in, charging forward or kind of tripping over himself, I think as he would have done in earlier, in the earlier seasons he was in, instead, he realizes that he can't help himself. Uh, he's not the best person to help in this situation. 
So instead, he steps back and he asks the other intern who was prior to joining Gray Sloan um, and attending, um, I think, vascular surgeon in Pakistan. And so he says, you go in my place. This is a, this deals with the vascular system. You go in my place. And then when he gets to the OR, Teddy and Owen are like, oh my God, that's a great choice because you can, I mean, you don't have status here, but you are basically an attending surgeon. You can help us. And, you know, that team was the best team for the job. Nobody could have helped DeLuca better, I don't think, in that situation. Um, and so I really, I really liked that. I think that showed growth of his character. I liked his moment at the end where he's, that heartbreaking moment where he's like, you know, you have to live every moment. They were fine and now they're not. Um, and- like I waste all the time that I was supposed to be happy. Yes, yes. Um, although there was some great acting there. Um, something I didn't like is that Nico was still a jerk and treats him- Oh, like right. This is actually what I was about to tell you. I was, because Nico was an ass as always. I mean, yeah. Levi calls him, calls him and he was like, okay, whatever. I mean, what kind of boyfriend does that? What kind of person does that? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. He's always so dismissive of, of, of Levi's feelings. Like, like he treats him as he's always overacting. And I know that Levi is someone who overacts. He needs to be listened, and I, I don't know. Nico is a is a terrible boyfriend, and I, yeah, I think that you have the same opinion. I'm happy that you have the same opinion. That man, that man is really toxic. Oh, yeah, and also it's one of those things where know who you're dating. Levi is clearly an anxious person who overreacts. As someone who's an anxious person myself, um, if you get to know somebody and you know that they're that kind of person that bothers you then you need to end that relationship because they are who they are um if that's who you are that's not something that's easily changeable about yourself um and Levi needs somebody who you know is kind of the calm to his storm um who you know he spins out he overreacts he gets anxious and he needs somebody who's just very calm and Nico's just really dismissive um yeah. So I didn't, I didn't like that part. And then I wanted your thoughts on this. I am, I am struggling to understand Teddy's point of view at this point in the season because like she's being terrible to Tom. She's, no, she hasn't treated Owen very well. And I don't, and I keep coming back to you. I don't know what she expected to happen with the way she has acted. And I struggle to understand her perspective because, you know, every time Owen gives her a crumb, you know, she, she really runs with it and reads into it, even though he's been repeatedly clear that he's not interested. And then she goes to Tom when basically every time Owen turns her down and, you know, wants to, you know, be around him. And he keeps saying to her, you gotta, like, you gotta let me go here. Like, I'm in love with you, but you're not in love with me, apparently, or not enough. And so I, I, I don't understand where she's coming from. And I wanted to know your thoughts on that because I, I struggled to understand her as a, as a character at this point. Well, of course, you know, of course, Teddy is really hard to understand right now. But what I think we have to remember is that simply said, she's lost. Right now she's lost. And I think the, the Lucas death is gonna worsen things for her. Um, 
she was very selfish, you know, at the beginning of this episode when she reached Tom in her room and, and she told him, she told him, well, I, I, I came here because I needed to be in a room with someone who didn't hate me. I mean, you ruined this man's life. You yeah. made him believe that you were in love with him. And now he's asking you one thing. Just tell me the truth. Tell me that you're not in love with me. And she keeps saying, I love you. And that is very selfish on her part. It's very cruel. Like, it's very cruel, yeah. He's like, it's you're being cruel, cruel here. <laughs> yeah, she, but she doesn't want to be cruel. That's the point. She was cruel to Owen as well. But yeah. it, the point is that right now she's a mess. I think we're going to get a beautiful redemption storyline. I think she needs it. But in a way, I, it's like I cannot hate her. It's like... <laughs> I get, no, it's like I get that right now she, she's lost. She's completely lost and she loves Owen. And she thought she loved Tom. When Tom tells her, well, you keep saying that you love me, but empirical evidence says otherwise. Yeah. If you really loved me, you would be with me right now. You mm -hmm. wouldn't be after, after Owen. In that moment, she realizes that maybe, I mean, not maybe, but that Tom is right that she thought that she loved him, but that was not love, or at least not the kind of love she feels for Owen. So I think the time of reckoning for her is coming. Mm -hmm. And again, I think at the end of the day, we're all human beings that make mistakes, sometimes terrible mistakes that hurt other people. So it's like, I, I, I'm also not a judgy person, you know, I, I, I hate that. And it's like, of course, I don't understand her, but I think that's because right now she doesn't understand herself. Mm. And when you don't understand yourself, you hurt the people around you. But I really think that with what, what she heard from Tom, the, the coldness that she's getting from Owen, and now the Lucas death, I think the moment of truth is coming for her. And by the moment of truth, I mean the moment in which she will realize, why have I done what, uh, the things that I did? I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. she, she needs, she's the first person, she, she's, she's the person who needs to understand the meaning, the reasoning behind her actions. I mean, that, I think that makes for interesting storytelling. That. Yeah, I my issue is that for a, like for a few episodes, yep, I was on board. But at this point, we're halfway through the season, and the storyline hasn't gone anywhere. So I'm getting a bit frustrated. Um, I just like I just want a decision to be made. Like I just want some kind of conclusion to that storyline. I'm like, okay, either it will happen. It will happen. Yeah, I, I can, just want it to come faster because I'm like, I, I can't tell you that it's gonna happen in two episodes. I think I think it's gonna happen in episode nine. I mean, I hope uh, so I just because it's no, like, I, I mean, it's not like I don't know that because I wrote the episode, of course, no, but because I read the synopsis for episode nine, um, and I and it's uh, Owen Teddy centric episode, so it's coming, it's coming, Jasmine. Yeah, I just hope they resolve it because, like, at this point, I like I was a, I was a Teddy and I was a Teddy and tom fan but at this point with how she's been treating him i'm like you know what tom deserves better i've never been a teddy and owen shipper but at this point i just want them to make a decision and move the heck on because this storyline has reached its expiry for me um so yeah i yeah. hope you're right 
Yeah, um, I I think it could have been a great storyline, this one, if COVID hadn't happened. Yeah, that's the thing. Full, yeah, I think it would have been, a, a, a you know, a storyline full of powerful and crying and messy scenes. I think we would have seen mm-hmm. this. But mm-hmm. with COVID, I think yeah. this altered. I mean, I, maybe this is one of the storylines which was most affected by COVID and COVID, yeah. response, you know? Well, that and Meredith, whatever they had planned that. Well, no, I think everybody really, because... Whatever yeah. they planned for Meredith went out the window. Um, oh, yeah. Meredith is like, I mean, she's in a coma. A storyline ended basically with COVID. Um, Amelia and Link, I don't know what was planned for them, but like now their role is that they're at home looking after the kids. So whatever they had planned <laughs> is gone. Um, yeah, I think it affected, affected a lot of characters. Um, yeah, yeah. In a way, I think the only person who is in the same trajectory is maybe Maggie. Yeah. Yeah, Maggie. I think because, but because I think they were able to set that storyline up before COVID shutdown production, um, because they were able to set stuff up for her before that happened, they had more to work with. Um, yeah. Where everybody else, I feel like in those last four episodes, they only got to film. I think three quarters of episode twenty-two. The other three were never filmed. There was so much setup coming in those last episodes, at least that's my impression, that when they weren't able to film it, they didn't have a lot to work with. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's nobody's fault. It just is what it is. On kind of like a, a positive note, I thought the next thing we could talk about is uh, the promo uh, for next week. Uh, did you see the promo? Yes, I'm very excited about next week. And I mean, you know how much I love Meredith and Derek, so I'm excited about him coming back to the beach. Yeah. But right now I'm also sick about the beach. I want Meredith to be. <laughs> no, really, I'm tired of this storyline. I think it's a little, it's becoming a little too, uh, too cheesy. I just, this might be the last season. And if it is the last season, I, I mean, I will be so pissed that this was the final Meredith Grey storyline. So the thing yeah. that really, I think the, the thing that really excited me about next week's promo is actually that moment in which Ace tells Meredith. Yes. We need you to be strong because I thought maybe we're gonna see Ace on that beach, and this makes me so excited. Yes, like I like that he tells he like he goes into her room, tells her that she needs to keep fighting. And I want to talk about this for a minute. Um, one of the interesting, I think, fallouts of Deluca's death is that, at least to my interpretation, with what we've seen this season, you know, in the premiere we see that you know um, Meredith and Hayes work on a case together. We get their banter. He texts her at the end of the night. He's like, hey, I've got another bottle of whiskey in my office if you fancy another drink before you head out kind of a thing, which implies they've been having drinks, working cases, all this stuff. He's the one that finds her. They have that great conversation about her POA. And Hayes disappears for two whole episodes. And when he comes back, him and Meredith don't get any scenes. Now in this episode, we see him talking with Joe, where, you know, Joe basically plays him and is like, you know, you're saying no to me because this is somebody you don't know with the patient. If Meredith asked you, you would never say no. And she basically plays him there and gets him to, to help her out. And then in this episode, sorry, in the promo, we see that he's in her room talking to her. And I feel like because Maggie had DeLuca assigned to Meredith's case without talking to Meredith first, I feel like Hayes has kind of been hanging back, not like going to visit her, but not visit her in her room, like outside of her room or not asking for updates as much as he would like to, because, you know, because DeLuca was her doctor and there was a history there, I felt like he didn't want to get in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because he's a respectful person, which is one of the things I really like about his character. But now that DeLuca has died and Teddy is her primary uh, physician, um, I feel like, and based on the promo, he's gone into her room and he's sitting there next to her talking to her. And we know that when people visit her in her room, they can appear on the beach where, you know, they talk to Meredith, she talks back, but they can't hear her, obviously. Um, there's potential for that. I feel like it's also giving him permission to come into her room and be closer and ask for more updates because, you know, the person that she used to date that she, you know, who she had the history with is gone now. And I kind of feel like that gives Hayes permission to be closer to what's going on and other people aren't going to think it's weird. Like her family and friends won't think it's weird because he knows that like, you know, because they're friends. Um, so I'm really excited about that possibility and I'm excited to see um, those scenes. I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. But I also think that actually I think that um, Ace went to visit Meredith while she yes, was Yes, I think so too. I think we just didn't see it. Yeah, I think we did. But yeah, yeah, I'm really excited about next week's episode. Really, really excited. And talking about what comes next, mm -hmm. well, I don't know if you read it, but Krista Vernoff in an interview, she said that she's approaching this season finale as a potential series finale. I thought, you know, when Ellen Pompeo said that they don't know if the show is ending, I thought they were kidding, that, like they were lying to us. But now I think it's all true. This show might end this season if Ale Pompeo doesn't re-up, which would be which would be really bad because I think we really need another season COVID-free. Yeah. So I really hope it doesn't end. And also, Jasmine, I want to thank the um, um, Nola, Nola, uh, Nola Ojomu, who is the journalist, a journalist from Metro uh, UK magazine. And she interviewed us for the show, about the show and about its potential ending. So thank you, Nola, for hosting us and for, you know, being interested in our thoughts about the show. Yes, uh, thank you, Nola, um, for interviewing us and being interested in our thoughts. And if you go to our uh, social media accounts, the podcast, our Twitter and our Instagram, you can see uh, the article there. Um, so thank you again. And um, I think that's our show. I think we kind of we kind of yep. covered everything that we uh, wanted to cover. Um, all right, everybody, uh, that's our show. Uh, if you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review our show, and tell your friends. Our theme song is inspired by Kevin McCloyd. You can find us on Twitter at DanceDailPod and on Instagram at DanceDailGraceAnatomy. Until next time, I'm Jasmine and I'm Giuseppe, and this is Dance It Out, a Grace Anatomy podcast. Thank you.